You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Come with me, Bibles, to Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1, 2, and 3. should be on the screen behind me. Now faith. Somebody say, now faith. Come on. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. It's the evidence. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. Bible says that you and I, we are, um, we are three parts. We are body, we are soul, and we are spirit. Okay, Apostle Paul says that in Romans, that we are body, we are soul, and we are spirit. Sometimes those terms get a little misunderstood. Your soul is not the eternal part of you. It's your spirit that is the eternal part of you. Your body is your organs, your cells. We are all here on earth living inside a physical body. And your soul is what makes you you. It's the essence of who you are. You know, if, if, if somebody sings a song and it's, they'll, they'll say it's, wow, that was so soulful. Or like in the American cinema classic, Billy Madison, Billy's teacher says, making fun of a kid for not knowing how to read, do you not have a soul? She's not saying, do you not have an eternal component to your being? She's saying, do you not have feelings? Right? So your soul is what makes you you. It's your consciousness. That's what separates. So every other creature on earth is just body. Just body. Lions don't have a spirit. Giraffes don't have a soul. I'm sorry. Your puppy dog as as amazing as they are and as obedient as they are I'm sorry they they just don't that's what separates us it says that God scooped up the dust of the earth we're the only creature that he breathed into and breathed into us the breath of life we have a spirit and a soul and and that's like if you watch like on national geographic when like the lion is chasing after the antelope and they take him down the lion's not all of a sudden like oh what have i done was this a good idea i'm not really sure this poor guy i feel so bad at it. the lion's not wondering where it's going in life you are we ponder on the eternal. We think about the decisions we make. We have a, con- every, every other creature just lives instinctually, right? But there's something different about us. We are body, soul, and spirit. And in our body, in the physical world, we have senses, right? We can hear, we can smell, we can taste, we can touch, we can see. And that's how we perceive the world around us, right? That's how I can interact with the world that my physical body is in because of my senses, Bible says that faith is the evidence of things not seen. So faith is your sense in the supernatural world. Faith is how you interact with the supernatural world. That's how you are. That's everything that happens in the supernatural world comes by faith. It's the evidence of things not seen. It's for the realm of things that we cannot see with our senses. So that's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, that we walk by faith, not by sight. 
We walk by faith, not by sight. Now, people misunderstand this, and they think that this means that as Christians, we're just, you know, ignorant hooligans, and we don't listen to science and evidence, and we just, you know, we, we, when, when we hear about, you know, evolution and carbon dating and all these, we just say, no, 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 I'm not going to listen, I'm not going to listen, just an ostrich putting our head in the sand because we walk by faith, not by sight. That's not what it means, okay? First of all, faith is not believing in something in spite of evidence, Okay? If you read your Bible, which is a good idea, you'll find it filled with things. So like the book of Luke. Luke was a physician. He was a doctor. Okay? And he wrote the book of Luke. And if you read the way that he starts the book of Luke, it says, O excellent Theophilus. Theophilus was a you know, Roman um, person of authority, and Luke wrote this to him. It says, O excellent Theophilus, I am writing this to you so that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Luke didn't say, Theophilus, I'm going to write this stuff down so you just can believe. Don't worry about, you know, the evidence and all that. Just believe. No, faith is not blind. Faith, our, your belief is in a historically informed faith, which is amazing, okay? So faith is not just blind, okay? But faith is your um, your sense in the supernatural world. Now, I, uh, Katie and I, when she was, um, it was on her 30th birthday, she was, I think, very pregnant with Everly? Zeke. Yes. It just, you know, once you have two, it just all runs together. And, you know, I don't even remember their names. What are they? Who are they? Pregnant with Zeke. And we went to Chicago for her 30th birthday. And um, it was super fun. Walked around the city. Had a good time. Went up to the top of the Sears Tower, which is very, very tall. Okay, it's like 110 stories, something like that. And they have this thing, if you've ever been there, where you can actually step out into these plexiglass boxes that they have built on the side of the Sears Tower. So, you know, you pay some exorbitant amount of money. It's like 50 bucks a person to take an elevator ride. Um, and then you get up to the top, and you're, and I'm not scared of heights. It doesn't bother me, okay? But I don't, I don't care if you're scared of heights or not. It's weird when you look down, and there's just 110 stories of space and then you step out onto that plexiglass box. And, and I'm telling you, it's weird. I'm not scared of heights. It doesn't bother me. But literally, you're, le- you're like. <laughs> you got to look like a baby giraffe just learning to walk. But, you know, I noticed something interesting. So, you know, we do that. And you take your picture. And you probably pay 50 bucks for the picture or whatever. Then you get back in the elevator to go back down. And now as I'm in the elevator, I'm like, wait a minute. My situation here is exactly the same. I'm in an elevator shaft with 110 stories of space underneath me and nothing holding me up but a little layer of structure. But I wasn't scared. Why? Because I can't see. When you see the circumstances around you, that's when all of a sudden the fear comes in. You're like, oh, my goodness. That's what Paul means when he says we walk by faith, not by sight. It means in spite of the circumstances that you see, you don't base your decisions on that. You don't base your belief on that. You base it on what you know to be true because of your faith, okay? Imagine, I'll give you another analogy here. Imagine you just go to amazing date night. You're an amazing husband, an amazing spouse. You just took your wife on a, on a date night. The ambiance was there. She's loving it. She's giving you the, the googly eyes. Excited, you pay the bill, walk into the car, got her in your arm, and you're just kind of 
And it's dark, you know, it's late, it's nighttime. And then kind of a little bit, you know, you can just like sense when someone's behind you. You know, it's just kind of that, as a, as a man, you kind of have that. You know what I'm talking about, sixth sense? And, uh, and you just kind of sense someone's behind you. And you guys are walking. And then you kind of hear like a, just some footsteps. Heart starts to race a little bit. And you're like, you know, you're on like fight or flight, looking a little behind you like this. And then the footsteps get a little closer. And they start to pick up the pace. And you're just like, oh, I'm about to throw down. I don't care. Getting, honey, get your pepper spray out. You spray them first, then I'll fight them. And then it's just like, dum, 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 dum. And you're just like, ah! And it's the waiter. It's like, hey, man, you forgot your keys. So isn't it interesting that the reality of the situation was that there was no danger? Never once were you in any danger, but because you couldn't see, you created an entirely different reality. So in the supernatural, if you can't see with your faith, it is possible for you to create an entirely alternate reality of what God is up to, what he's doing, what he's not doing. Faith grounds you. Faith allows you to stay steady. It's an anchor for you in the midst of turmoil. What are you believing God for tonight? What is your anchor? We all need just sort of these homing beacons of things we're believing for that keep us centered, keep us grounded, keep us focused, keep us moving in the right direction. There's a story um, in the book of Mark. It's going to be up on the on the screen and uh, set the story up. So, you know, it's a pretty famous story. I'm sure most of you know it if you've got a church background. But um, this man comes to Jesus. His name is Jairus. And he says, hey, teacher, my, my daughter is very sick. She's about to die. Will you come heal her? Jesus says, yes, yeah, sure. Starts walking on his way. Gets, I wouldn't say distracted. I don't know if the king of the universe can get distracted. But a woman comes up and has this interaction with this woman and gets a little sidetracked. And after this is all over, Jairus's friends come up and say, your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher any further? Okay? And that's where we're going to pick it up in verse 36. So remember, it's Jairus's friends that come and say, oh, your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher any further? Then Jesus says, well, Anyway, let's read the verse. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, that's Jairus, do not be afraid, only believe. Do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, um, and the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult, vocab word, love that, and those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was laying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumi, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it, and so that something should be given her to eat. Now, it's so interesting the way this story plays out. So, Jairus is believing for something. He's believing for the healing of his daughter. And he has a word from Jesus. Jesus says, sure, I'll heal her. Right? So, off they go. 
But then another word, a contrary word, comes at Jairus. And it's his friends that say, hey, your daughter's dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? And then it says, when Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said, do not be afraid, only believe. Believe in what? What does that even? Believe in the word. Believe in the word that Jesus spoke, which is, yes, I will heal your daughter. So it's so important to have a word from God. And there's two in, in the New Testament, the word, word, it's confusing. The word W-R-D is translated two different ways. It's logos and rhema. Logos is where we get the word logic. It's the written word of God. This is the logos of God. But there's also the rhema of God, which is, can be translated like the whisper of God. And that's what the prophetic is, okay? And so uh, think of a prophetic word as a personalization of the logos to you. It doesn't contradict this, okay? If you ever say, man, I just got a rhema download, baby. God told me to leave my spouse, go marry someone 10 years younger. Nope, not a rhema word, okay? That's a devil word, okay? Because it contradicts this, okay? No word, no, no sort of whispering from God will ever contradict his written word. But you will find that it personalizes the word, and a lot of you guys have heard this story. You know, there was a, a season um, a couple years ago where I was in, like, great career crisis. I was working at a company. Uh, the company was unraveling, falling apart. Paychecks were being missed. I was, and I had, and it was, I had put so much of myself into this company for four years, and there was just nothing to show for it. I was, one, when we were um, believing God to buy this, the home that we bought, that we built in Eastlake, the entire down payment was going to come from a bonus that's supposed to come, well, it came bonus time. I earned the bonus, and the owners of the company were like, hey, great job. You earned the bonus, but we don't have the money to pay you the bonus. And it's just like, yeah. Okay. And so um, I remember being at church, it's a good place to be, and Christian Franco, a good friend of mine, was praying for me, and, uh, you know, I don't even remember what he said. The rest of the prayer, I'm sure, was pretty good. I only remember one part. And uh, he was just praying and just saying whatever, and I'm just like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, so good, so good, yeah, yeah, I'm just, I'm receiving, I'm feeling it, I, you know, vibes are strong. And then he says, you know, whatever, 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 it's not unraveling, it's unfolding, and it just was like unfolding, folding, 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 folding. And I don't know how to explain it, but it was like in that moment, God took that word and just brought it to me. And, it was, and I don't know how to explain it. I just knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that that was a word for me. And I've never forgotten it. And there were months Things didn't, I'm going to be honest with you, things didn't really get a whole lot better right after that. It wasn't like he just said, things aren't unraveling, it's unfolding, and then money just fell out of the sky. I was like, Katie, what do we do with all this cash? I don't know. <laughs> it was actually still hard for a long time. But that word, there'd be, there would be so many times where we would just look at each other when something bad would happen and we'd say, hey, it's not unraveling, it's unfolding. That, it's a rhema word. And it doesn't contradict the word of God. The word of God says that I'm blessed to be a blessing. But you know, sometimes... You know, he said that to Abraham like thousands of years ago, and is that really for me? But the rhema word, it's not unraveling, it's unfolding. That was a prophetic word straight to the heart of Katie and I that gave us something to believe in. 
And so I'm going to go ahead and have the worship team come join me. Told you, I'm, we're going to make some things happen tonight. I'm just going to tell you a couple stories of, of things we've believed for. And, my, and what we're going to do here in just a minute is I'm going to have everybody stand up. Not yet. Just chill out. And we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to give you something to believe in. And sometimes, that sounds easy, you know, you just think, and, and you know, if you just, listen, if you just think a billion dollars, like, <sighs> that's lame. Okay, God's not going to just give you a billion dollars if you don't have the character and the integrity to steward a billion dollars. If God gave you a billion dollars right now, probably most of us would just crush us. It, the, the pressure would be too much. Okay? So a lot of times when you're praying and believing God for something and you're not seeing it, it's not because God's not listening. It's because he's saying, hey, I'm bringing this to you, but you're not ready for it yet. I got to prepare you so that you can handle this blessing. It is possible to be crushed by a blessing. Okay? It is possible. There are things that God wants to do in you that are so big that your character cannot handle right now. So there's three, I want to give you just three stories and sort of three different just kind of get some, get your imagination going on, on different things to believe God for. And so, you know, a lot of times you, you know what, you can identify what to believe for. You know, Nashla and Ignacio believed God for this home. And it's a, you know, a tangible thing. It's a, a home. And I'm sure everybody would be like, yeah, sure, you know, I can believe God for a home. That sounds great, right? That's like a, that's a physical thing that's easy to identify that we can believe for. But sometimes... You have to put your faith in what you don't know to believe for. Okay? Let me explain. So several, several years ago, probably eight, nine years ago, Katie and I are pretty new to the church, been here about a year and a half, and, you know, our things really started to change. Like, I, you know, a lot of you know the story. I was a disaster when I came to this church. Um, like, just a, my wife drugged me here, didn't like it. It stressed me out. It was just too much. I was such a mess that being in a healthy place really bothered me. When you're around, when you're unhealthy and you're around a lot of healthy people, you don't like it. Okay. And that was me. And I just was so uncomfortable. Didn't, you know, didn't, didn't like it. But then things began to shift and things began to change. So we're about a year and a half in and I'm like starting to see some things happen in my, in my life and see some breakthrough. And I'm like, okay, I, this is actually pretty awesome. I'm kind of starting to like this. I still had, you know, a lot of doubts, a lot of skepticism. I was still pretty disgruntled. But, you know, it's like, it's like when the Grinch, like when his heart, like, just grew one size a little bigger. You know, it hadn't quite gotten to three sizes. I was just at one size. One little Grinch heart increase, okay? And I was, was in a little bit of uncertainty in, in my career. I was, um, I did a PhD in engineering at UC San Diego, and I was kind of getting towards the end of that. And I was like, man, what am I going to do? And, um, and I had this opportunity come up. That was literally just like the, there's, there's no cooler job on the planet than this job. This guy approached me who is the world renowned authenticator of Renaissance art. So people that try to forge Renaissance art, he's like a forensic scientist and he asked me to come and be his assistant. And I just was like, Lord, I, I will serve you forever. This is the coolest job ever. We were setting up an office in Luxembourg. I was going to be back and forth to Europe all the time. And I was just like, you know, like, I am so cool. I am so awesome. This is the cool. But then something really crazy happened. 
I realized, gosh, if I say yes to this, it's going to pull us away from the church. I'll only be able to be kind of half here, one foot in, one foot out. And so we made a choice to believe God, but we didn't know what we were believing into. We, we didn't, I didn't know that 10 years later we'd be campus pastors and that our life would be something we, there were, if you would have asked me 10 years ago, just imagine the greatest life for yourself you ever, I wouldn't even have known that this was a thing I could have thought of. Does that make sense? So it wasn't like I had a vision like super clear and was like, I'm believing God for that. All I knew was God was asking us to just believe without having an object to believe in. And so I said no to that thing. And it was really hard, really hard. And we plugged ourselves 100% into this church. We started leading, started serving. And, you know, fast forward, and we're the campus pastors of the greatest flipping campus in the world, pastoring the greatest people ever, doing things. God has resurrected dreams of mine that were long dead. Sometimes you have to believe God when you don't actually even know what the object of belief is. And God will ask you to trust him first before he shows you where he's taken you. And if that upsets you, I'm sorry. That's how it is. It's all throughout this. It's the principle of the first step, okay? That's the way God works. In Joshua chapter four, the Israelites were making their way into the promised land. The first obstacle was not Jericho. The first obstacle was the Jordan River. They had to cross the Jordan. They get to the Jordan, the Bible says, just rushing, harvest time. And they, the Joshua gets a download and says, hey, put your foot into the river and the water will stop. And everybody's like, how about you make the water stop, we'll put our foot in the river. Josh said, uh, that's not how it works. And sure enough, as soon as the priests put their foot in the water, the water stopped and they were able to cross. Moses had to reach out his staff before God parted the Red Sea. The Bible says that his word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. So just think about it. If you're holding a lantern, you know, they didn't have like floodlights back then. It was a little oil lamp and it's shining a path in front of you, you only see six, seven feet in front of you, right? So how do you see further? Start walking. Take a step. See a little bit more. Take a step. See a little bit more. Okay? And there's this beautiful concert with God of his revelation and your faith. And as you believe, new things are revealed. And you may not even know what to believe him for. That's fine. Just make a decision that you trust him. Make a decision, okay? But then there's things that you, tangible things you want to you believe God for. And maybe, maybe it's a home. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's financial nature. Maybe it's a, um, a, a family member. Maybe it's your marriage, whatever it is. But it's, it's, it's something you can identify that you want to believe God for directly. Maybe it's something that you want to not believe for. Maybe you've been given a diagnosis and you say, no, I don't want to believe in that, right? And those are moments where you have actual sort of things to focus on and to believe God for, and, you know, I mentioned that our, our house, we, we bought, built a house in Eastlake um, a few years ago. And I just can't even tell you how hard that was for me. Because I looked around at all the ways that it couldn't happen. And I wasn't walking by faith, I was walking by sight. But we made a choice that we're going to believe God. And here's the thing, you, you can't just say you believe. Faith without works is dead. So the first step for us and I'm, you know, it's embarrassing now in hindsight, but it just, it was just at, 
after constant badgering from my wife, I, she was like, just call a mortgage company and just try to get pre-qualified. What's the worst that's going to happen? They're just going to say no. And I just, it was the weirdest thing. Like, I couldn't do it. And, and now I'm like, what was wrong with me? Like, it's the silliest thing. And so, this is embarrassing. But finally, out of spite, I was like, I'm going to show her that I'm right. And I called this mortgage broker just expecting them to say, yeah, there's no way. And they were like, you know, I don't remember what it was. You qualify for like $550,000 home. And I was like, and we're, I'm from Dallas, Texas, okay? $550,000 home in Dallas, Texas is like rolling in it, okay? And so I just was like, and it, and it gave me a spark. And I was like, oh my gosh, like maybe God can't. So faith without works is dead. You can say you believe God for that family member all day long, but if you don't actually step out and invite them to church or whatever, then God's like, I can't work with that. Faith without works is dead, what are, your, what are your, the steps that you're going to take to prove to God that you actually believe in what you're saying you believe in? And maybe there's things that you're having to believe against. About uh, eight weeks ago, uh, Katie and I were in our living room in the morning and uh, just heard this thud and went into the next room and our daughter was laying on the ground and she was having a seizure. And, uh, you know, we picked her up and it was like, it was short. I mean, it was like 12 seconds. It was the longest 12 seconds of our life. Called the ambulance, went to the hospital, and just, you know, they're like, hey, I mean, we can't really find anything wrong with her. Sorry. Just take her home. Keep an eye on her. And they recommended we do, you know, go to a neurologist, get a, an EEG. And so we did that and, um, and then got a call from the doctor that said, hey, we saw some things on the EEG that are very concerning. And then Katie talked to the doctor. This is never good. When the doctor says, I'm really concerned about your daughter, I've been praying. Thank, um, thank you for praying. I'm a pastor. That makes me happy, but wish it wasn't from my daughter's doctor. And so the, it, there's no diagnosis, but, but it was, this could be pre-epileptic. This could be pre-this, pre-that. And so Katie and I had a decision to make. And this is real time. This is like real talk. This just happened a couple weeks ago. Uh, we had a choice to make. You know, do we actually believe the things that we tell you from up here on stage? You know what I mean? And it's a lot easier for you to believe for somebody else. All day long, you're like, you can do it. You can get that house, man. Just believe. Yes. Come on. Healing's coming. Healing's coming. Favor. Come on. But then when it's you, it's like, oh, man. That's the hard part. And so Katie and I had a decision to make. And we've got another neurology appointment coming up in a couple weeks, and we are doing nothing but believing God and praying, speaking life over her. What are the steps that you're taking? I go into my daughter's room every night and I put my hand on her head and I pray over her brain and I believe God, I proclaim life over her. And if I just say, oh yeah, I, you know, I believe God can do anything and then I just go to bed, faith without works is dead. So I want you to stand up on your feet. I'm gonna close the service here in just a sec. And I wanna ask you, what are you believing God for? And I'm gonna ask uh, the ministry team, go ahead, and, go ahead and come on up ministry team. And the, our ministry team is going to line up here on the front. And we're going to take a second. Worship team is going to play. And as I'm praying, I don't, want you to, I don't want you to pray along. I want you to just close your eyes. Go ahead and close your eyes right now. And just begin to ask God to give you something to believe in. I'm sure for a lot of you, you already know right off the top of your head. I'm sure it's easy. You're just Maybe for some of you, that's really hard. I remember there was a gentleman that, that came 
you know, new to the church a few months ago, and I just have a tremendous amount of respect for this this man. Because when I first met him, I asked him, you know, hey, what's something you're, you're believing God for? And he, he, it was like he couldn't get anything out. It just was like he didn't even, he hadn't actually even exercised the muscle of even believing God for anything. And finally, I mean, it took some serious, I mean, you know, you'd think like, how hard is it? But it was, it was very hard for him. And I don't know if it came from unbelief that God could do it, if it came from a spirit of unworthiness that he wasn't worthy of it. I don't really know. And I don't know where you're at. But after much coaxing, he finally said, you know, my, my kids live somewhere else uh, with their mother and I would love to believe God that I can get full custody of my kids. So I don't know what it is for you, but you may even find that it's just, it's hard to even come up with something. But we're gonna believe right now that the Holy Spirit of God can supersede any spirit of unworthiness, any, any, any orphan spirit. Listen, you are a son or a daughter of God, okay? I've got kids. When my son comes up to me and asks me, even if it's something that, you know, if he, come, if he comes up and asks, we just had Halloween, if he comes up and asks me for Laffy Taffy in the morning, I don't just say like, no, idiot, what's wrong with you? Right? It's cute. And I laugh at him and I say, hey, buddy, no, come on. I'm not going to give you Laffy Taffy in the morning. God is your father. He's not mad at you when you ask him for things. Even if, even if the answer is not right now, he's not just like looking down on you, thinking how ridiculous it is you would ask him for that. No, he's a good father. So right now with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you to begin to ask God for something to believe in. Like I said, some of you already know right off the top of your head. You know exactly what it is. You don't even need, and that's great. But if you're in here and that's hard, I'm gonna pray here in a second. I want you to just open the eyes of your heart and what you're gonna find is God is going to just illuminate something to you. And you'll know it's God when you can't get it out of your brain. That's how you know. If it shows up and you know, you just kind of five minutes later you forget about it, then it wasn't God. But it's those persistent little thoughts. That's how you know. That's how you know that you know that you know that no matter what, you can't shake it. And when you have that thought, you'll know what it is that God would have you believe for. And then what we're gonna do, as I close the service, the worship team's gonna play, is you don't have to be, you don't, it doesn't have to be up here. It could be with somebody, your wife, if, if you know husbands and wives are here and you wanna just kinda share with your spouse, if you've got a friend, if you've got a connect group leader, I want you to actually go to somebody. Doesn't necessarily have to be tonight. I would recommend that, just seal it right now. And I want you, you have to actually say it out loud to somebody else. And maybe somebody up here you don't even know, it doesn't matter. You're just gonna walk up here and say, hey, here's what I'm believing for. And they're just gonna say a two-second prayer, okay? Two-second prayer. I don't want you guys, no deliverance sessions up here, okay? This is just, they're just gonna believe with you. They're gonna seal it, and you're gonna go on your way. You're gonna grab your kids from Kids Church, and you're gonna believe and expect God to do the impossible, okay? So I'm gonna pray right now, and we're just gonna open this space up. The worship team's gonna play. God, I thank you that you are the God of the impossible. God, right now, we just invite your Holy Spirit in. We know you're here. We know you're here right now, God. God, like a mighty rushing wind, rushing through, heart, rushing through hearts, quieting thoughts that are not from God. Right now, I just speak to every, every spirit of insecurity, of unworthiness, of rejection, and I silence you right now. I do not permit you to speak. Only the Spirit 
of the living God can speak here right now. And that God, you would whisper to hearts right now, that you would illuminate things that people didn't, maybe, maybe there's people in here and you just didn't even, you never thought of yourself as a business owner. You just, you have a great job. And all of a sudden something's gonna come into your mind. Maybe, you, maybe you've got a home and you're like, God's blessed us with a home, it's amazing. And God's gonna put another home, an investment property to believe him for. Maybe, maybe your marriage, is, it's just beyond repair. There is just no way. And God's gonna put your, the spouse that you're separated from, it's gonna just put their picture in your brain. You're not gonna be able to shake it. And, and maybe you're gonna believe for reconciliation. So God, right now we just declare that you are the God of the impossible. We invite you in. God, we pray for supernatural miracles, things we could never have manufactured on our own, God. God, that stories are coming, testimonies are coming out of the East Lake Campus of Awakened Church, that our prayer meetings, our men's prayer and our women's prayer meetings are gonna be filled with God's stories. That are, that is, they are, they cannot be rationalized. There's no way that, that our friends, our family, our coworkers will be able to rationalize it away. They won't be able to say, oh, well, that's just because this, it was just coincidence. It will be so above coincidence that the only thing that they will be able to do is marvel and say, just like King Nebuchadnezzar said at Daniel, he said, look, I'm not gonna serve this God, but I'll tell you what, he is the one true God. That there's gonna be people in our world that look at these miracles as we're believing God for things. Things are gonna shake, things are gonna shift, and the people in our world are gonna say, I'll tell you what, Whatever, the, whatever God you believe in, that must be the one true God. God, we invite you in right now. God, we pray for an impartation of faith, that faith would rise up in our hearts and minds right now, that we would believe you for things right now. In Jesus' mighty name. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.